Hi, I'm Max. I'm Joe. And I'm Zan. And we're the Three Whining Witches. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, follow, and give us a five-star rating. Also, please share this podcast to those who you think might enjoy our content. Today, we're drinking Sun Pop, Tropical Moscato. Okay, so where we left off last time, uh, Tamlin just showed Vera his study. Um, upon entering, she's impressed by the size of it. The study. Um, she figures <laughs> even though her belt... <laughs> the study, nothing else. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she's, she's saying or thinking to herself, yes, she did fulfill her promise to her mother, but she should at least write to her family to say, hey, I'm safe, I'm doing okay, and also to warn them about the blight and the chance that it might cross the wall. Uh, she knew she would need to write a letter, but she's at a disadvantage because she cannot read or write. Um, when she was younger, her mom didn't care to educate her. She had no governess. And after her passing, the family's demise into poverty, um, her sisters were kind of snobs and they thought that the town school was beneath them. Um, so she could read a little, but very poorly. Uh, she could ask Lucian or Tamlin to deliver the letter, but could not bring herself to ask them to write it for her. So she works in the study day and night, trying to learn words, breaking only for meals. And then she would underline words and copy them down, the ones that she could not understand. So, given her inability to read and write at 19, because her family could not accept their station in life, do you feel sorry for Feyre? I do. Uh, yeah. Could she have improved herself prior to coming to Prithian, do you think? I... I personally, I think that uh, Farah, because of the immense amount of pride her whole family has, um, she has the same feeling, uh, but it also wasn't of any use to her mm-hmm. living in the town where she was at. So because the priority was providing for food on the table, that was not something that was important to her or or uh, I should say life-sustaining because that was basically what she was mm-hmm. hoping to do. And, um, you know, back then, the loss of their wealth and the sisters not seeing the school as good enough for them, um, that just kind of, kind of just put her in the hard spot. You know, she wasn't exactly old enough. I think, what, uh, she was probably 11 when the creditors came, I believe. The mom died at eight, when she was eight years old, I think, and then um, nine was when they lost their wealth, and then 11 was when the creditors come. So they actually had two years where they were kind of, I guess, surviving Mm -hmm. (laughs) with what they had. So. I like that you keep a timeline. (laughs) (laughs) I had to, I checked the wiki, the, the, yeah, for the fandom. She's our Akatar nerd. But the overall neglect by her mother is basically because uh, she believed that her daughters would likely marry into mm-hmm. wealthy families and so so there's she, no need to think for yourself or be smart or learn anything right because you're not gonna lift a finger somebody else will write your letters <laughs> right oh my god how sad <laughs> you would dictate like right? a secretary mm-hmm. <laughs> also you know it's never too late to go back to school so mm-hmm. good for her that she's actually still trying to improve herself so while she's wandering through the stacks in the study she finds a mural that tells the story of prithian it began with a cauldron Glowing hands tipped it over, and golden effervescent liquid spilled over. The contents were dumped into a void to form the world, 
the murals showed all the lands of the world, all the territories. There's no sign of human life in this world. The next panel shows the war between humans and bay. The humans didn't survive this particular battle featured in this panel. Another map showed a reduced fairy realm. Northern territories had been cut up and divided to house a high fae after losing their lands to the south of the wall. Kara sees the different courts conveyed in the mural. She sees the forest she had to cross to get into Prithian. She saw the autumn, summer, winter, dawn, day, and night courts. At the heart of the map, she sees a small snowy mountain range that she really cannot identify. After looking at this, she returns to her book, a children's book, which she's unable to read. She threw away her list of words in frustration. Uh, and then Tamlin kind of sneaks up on her and kind of scares her a bit. And he offers her help. But a defensive uh, Pharaoh refuses because she didn't want him to know how much she doesn't know. So, question. Even though Tamlin offered his help, she can't seem to put her pride away. Do you think this is a family trait, for one? And also, have you yourself ever been too proud to ask for help? The first part about the pride getting in the way, it gets in the way of her whole family, right? Her whole family kind of has that issue. All of them are sort of living like ghosts in their hovels, sort of <laughs> stunned kind of by their circumstances into like inaction. I don't know if you've ever been, you know, just shocked by how bad of a hand you've been given where you just kind of, you know, you need to do something, but you can't do anything, mm -hmm. not even a little bit. So it kind of seems like that's what happened to her other family members, whereas Feyre has kind of benefited from the inaction that was done or the inactiveness, I guess, of her mother, her mother's influence in her life, you know? Like, even though her mother wasn't there for her, she basically was able to, like, not have to unlearn all the social graces that the mom trained on with the other sisters and she's not having to unlearn all of those social graces. So she's basically kind of a blank slate, sort of. And so she's able to kind of forge her own way with the hand that she's dealt. That's one thing that I think that she actually benefited from in a way. The only thing is because she's been the least indoctrinated into believing that she only needed to rely on her feminine wiles or social training, she's got the upper hand. Um, and as far as myself, I definitely let pride prevent my asking for help, but I, I don't think I would ever let it prevent me from contacting my family, especially when it comes like to raising children. Motherly guilt, you know, like anyone that's a mother understands what that is. And then the guilt of asking for help. And then it's, it's even compounded by when you get the help because you feel guilty for not being able to do it, and yeah. maybe at times even seeing that someone else is able to do it better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think that important things I have pride um, asking, or too much pride to ask for help, but things like manly things probably, like moving furniture, I wanna do it by myself. And then you end up with like a back spasm the next day, and you have to lay down, and your husband has to do everything for you anyway. <laughs> I'm always too proud to ask for help. I either sit and suffer or I wait it out. It just depends on the situation. Right. But yeah, this is this story is kind of like you don't really get it. There's no timeline or whatever. This isn't like they don't say like this is the 1700s. Right. You know? We're just guessing. Like, <laughs> right. And it's not this world. It's not this world. So they don't have the same like things that we do at the same time. Yeah. And so it, it, it was 
a way of living, you know, for the wealthy, you know, for their standard of living at the time is, you know, comparable to the way that things are in the story. So she's just basically like not able to kind of live up to the social graces that her mom was probably teaching her other um, two kids. But um, also Lucian and Tamlin were not nice to her. You know, I know. So, You're not going to ask a bully to give you some yeah, help. Yeah. Like, oh, can you help me with my homework? You know, even though you like... So you can make fun of me later. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and she makes that known for sure. Yeah. To allow them like any kind of intimate knowledge of her shortcomings, which is what Tamlin calls it. And which she repeats to herself later on throughout the entire, you know, all the chapters. You know, she's repeating their negative language toward her mm-hmm. because it's kind of like she's... It's almost like PTSD from Nesta's. I know. She's like beat down like a little dog. Like yeah. The dog's not going to come and play like pet me. Yeah. <laughs> and she just says it over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. it's really like yeah. trauma. Like she seems like she's like very traumatized by her own, her own sister. Which I get. No. Whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm the nicest. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. so because she says no, Tamlin gets a little bit jealous. Because she's been spending uh, a lot of time with Lucian, and she still won't let him help. She tells him it's because Lucian doesn't pretend to be something that he isn't, uh, meaning that she really doesn't trust him. He repeats that Farrah isn't what he had in mind as a human, but now it's in a negative connotation. And this hurts Farrah because it brings out, like we are talking about, all her insecurities, that she's in- ignorant, illiterate, and remarkable. These are all things that she's heard from Nesta, her, her own sister. So uh, I guess Tamlin can tell he's kind of made her sad, but he tries to apologize, but she leaves the room. The next time she returns to the study, her books have been disturbed and her list of words are removed from the garbage. And she worries that maybe Tamlin uh, would be able to figure out what she was trying to do, which was write her letter and warn them. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Tamlin would have stopped her from warning her family? I think it's possible. Given his protective nature, he would probably have tried to stop her from leaving Mm, but he was she wasn't yeah. trying to leave. She was just trying to warn them like via via letter, right? So also, but knowing that her family really didn't make efforts, you know, for their own safety without relying on Vera, he could have also found it useless. Uh, I think I don't think he would have stopped her. I, based on what she wrote, I I definitely think that he would have read what. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it would have been a garbled. Like. Right, <laughs> and they hadn't. Um, I mean, they really hadn't given her enough information that would have led the human realm to know more about what was going on in Perithian. Like, they really haven't. Yeah, she wasn't telling any secrets. Right. And I think that was, like, important. And honestly, the with the new wealth, you know, we don't know, though. You know, Farrah doesn't know at this time, but, you know, her family is living large, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So even if she did get any kind of information out to them, like in warning, I think that I don't necessarily know that they would have acted on Farah's warning to leave or to... The family you're talking mm-hmm. about, right? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Um, because one, like later on we find out, you know, much later on, you know, spoiler alert, that her family members actually, well, one of them, comes to look for her, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So they are concerned about her, you know? Mm-hmm. So, But I they're mostly p- prone to like inaction. They don't do anything. Right. Right, right. right. They, they relied on the youngest one to do everything. Right. So, so she wants to learn more about this blight, uh, to learn more about the treaty that they keep on bringing up and possibly a way to still find a way out of her situation. Oh, hold on a second. I want to bring up something. Go ahead. Did you see the part where she's, like, writing in the books? 
seeing the part? No, not seeing. I mean, like, did you read the part where she's writing in the books? And she's just like, oh, he can get more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so rude, right? <laughs> that is. I like. I was like, do you know where you are, lady? They don't have a printing press. <laughs> she's not allowed to check out the books. <laughs> oh, my God. We would, t- we would charge her. Okay, go, go ahead. Okay. I was just, I wanted to make a note of that because I was okay. like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so she tracks down Lucian uh, to his bedroom, and she, he reports he overheard her spat with Tamlin and appreciates it. He's not on the top of her shit list. Uh, he tells Feyre there's been another disturbance, and now Tamlin's out chasing that. She makes a smart comment that he's not this, like the serial, um, which he had, he had mentioned previously, who she could get m- more information out of. However, not exactly saying what she wants. So she asks how she would trap him if he was indeed a serial. Serial, sorry. He hypothetically tells her how to catch it, however states, Tamlin shouldn't find out about this. <laughs> so he goes as far as to give Feyre a hunting knife. <laughs> so what do you think was his motive? <laughs> Subtlety is not his, <laughs> his forte. Right. Now or later, either. I feel like he could have been testing her to see if she would complete the task to prove herself valuable to them. Like an ally type mm-hmm. thing. I think maybe also, you know, if she asks the serial the right question, she could find out about the actual curse and maybe a way to get out of it because mm-hmm. Tamlin and Lucian can't say it to her, but the serial is not part of the court. So yeah. She, and he could have told her, but she didn't ask those questions, but, you know, could have happened. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that maybe he was even hoping yeah. that she would be able to get, because they didn't, it doesn't seem like he even considered that. Um, I think he was being genuine after hearing, you know, her talking to Tamlin about him, how she was defending him. Yeah. Or also she just wants him out. Or he wants her out because he did say, you know, previously that he, he just wanted her out. And if he had the chance for mm-hmm. her to leave, he would be all for it. Right. Oh, I just wanted to mention before we go to chapter 14 that a, a little bit in chapter 13 that she does seem to have some growing inkling of respect for Tamlin because she starts seeing him as another version of herself. Yeah, I can see that. So she Mm -hmm. likes herself a lot, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she sees him as, like, a provider. Yeah. Even though she doesn't know about his high lordedness yet, Yet. he kind of sees her as, like, the, I guess, the head of the mansion. Like, what do you... Because doesn't he say that he's the emissary, Lucian's, by now? I can't remember. Anyway... I'm like, what? You do, don't know something? <laughs> do regular people, like, do regular people have an emissary? Like, no. But, um, yeah, I guess she kind of feels some kind of, like, kindredness with him mm-hmm. because of that. Because she was the pro- provider. Yes. Our next bottle is the Barefoot Fruit Scotto in Strawberry. Yummy. Okay, on to chapter 14. Farah goes into the western forest to hunt the cereal. Um, based on Lucian's instructions, she's got her bow and quiver, his knife, an extra blade in her boot, and a dead chicken. <laughs> <laughs> she reassures herself that the bog has been killed and Tamlin is dealing with whatever else is in the court elsewhere, so she's got plenty of time to get this done. She becomes familiar with her surroundings by walking around several paths, and then she sets up her trap. She finally feels something pass her by. This is when she starts to second-guess her decision to seek the cereal out. Her trap works, and she sees a tall, thin, veiled figure in tattered robes with a hunched back and spindly, scabby 
gray arms with yellow cracked fingernails. Oh, damn. He must be a smoker. (laughs) (laughs) Must be. Um, She asks the creature if, uh, are you the cereal? (laughs) 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 And uh, the cereal asks what she wants. And Farah asks if there is a way for her to go home. Unfortunately, the cereal kind of has to let her down, says that she's stuck here unless she wants to be killed and her family as well. So the, the first question for this chapter is, do you think at this point Feyre finally gets it? Everyone has told her there is no way out of her deal. Like Her sentence for killing Andrus and the serial is now confirming it. Do you think that she's finally accepting it? I think she's finally accepting it. But you know how sometimes you have to hear it from somebody else? I, I can think of yeah. two different ways <clears throat> where somebody's giving you advice. But you're not going to take it just because they might be the closest person with, uh, to you. Uh, actually, my husband and I were talking about this. Uh, a lot of teenagers, they want to pay attention to their parents. But they hear it from somebody else and like they're, you know. <laughs> right. They'll do it. They believe it now. Like so I, I can I kind of feel like it's like that. Yeah, I think she's a very determined woman. Uh-huh. I think she gets it, but part of her wants to, yeah. you know, go out and find out if there's other ways herself. Yeah, of what's going on and stuff. Yeah, no one can blame mm-hmm. her for going and shopping around for answers, right? So, right. so she's got the best deal. She needs a magic eight ball. <laughs> Maybe she'd listen to it then. You know, we all did that. Yeah, that was that was our serial. In the what, in the eighties, those answers were law. Oh my gosh! Oh, f- that's hilarious. Yeah. Does he like me? I still use it. Oh. <laughs> oh, I still use I have it. one in my purse. Let me get uh-huh. it. Oh. My daughter's afraid of her. She thinks it's like haunted or something. Oh, what? her eight ball. Who gave it to her? Somebody gave it to her for, was her, it me? Bir- for her birthday. Was it you? What was it? A magic eight ball. No, it wasn't me. I think it might have been her grandparents. Uh, not on Papa. I think oh. got her a magic ma- magic eight ball, and she's like. She wanted me to get rid of it. She thinks it's spooky. But your sister bought her a cauldron. Oh, she's all about the cauldron. <laughs> I no, she's did. all about the cauldron. I did. She's in control of that, so I mean, she's okay with that. I was heavily influenced by this series, though. So <laughs> but she also, also got a fur baby out of it, so. Yeah, yeah it's very cute. It makes weird noises and... Yeah. Um, I also kind of think that the cereal... I, wonder, I was wondering if maybe... The cereal is a little bit affected by this blight, whatever this mm-hmm. whole situation. I was wondering, um, even though, you know, it has to tell Farah the truth, I kind of wonder if it also has to kind of tell her the future a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, like the choices to come. Right. Yeah. Like all the different paths that could lead to her death or, you know. Right. So he's telling her, like, if you do that, your family's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but... um so I was thinking, like, whenever I was reading this, I was like, oh, is this, he's a truth teller, but also he's, like, kind of able to see the future? I don't know. Like a fortune cookie. Like a, like a, fortune like telling? a decrepit old bony fortune cookie. Like the one. Or a Zoltar. Yeah. So I wonder if he's also, like, in this moment, if he's telling her the base, the best case scenario. Like, yeah. he's not necessarily telling her the truth. Because technically the, what do you call it? What is it called? The, um, it's not the pact. It's the. The treaty? The treaty. I'm sorry. <laughs> I completely, I'm blanking. It's Friday. Yeah. Um, I think that the treaty didn't necessarily require her to stay there. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. But. Um, they twisted any, it into their own liking. Right. So <laughs> I, 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 in other words, I, I kind of think that the cereal is almost like telling her. 
what would benefit everyone, not just Farah. Because you think he's also affected by the blight, right? So yeah. he's got s- some, like, skin in the game, right? Yeah, I would think so. Especially when you've got all those other... No pun intended. <laughs> other fae coming into the territory that are normally kept in their own areas. But, mm-hmm. like, the like the bog and the what's um, the other two that are soon to come. Right. Um, who's the puka. Those are not normally there. Mm-hmm. So, like, spoiler alert... <laughs> After he's caught, you know, he's also afraid of the two fae that come and Right. You know? So. Right. Yeah. So he's got skin in the game. She then asks about Tamlin. The serial reveals that Tamlin is the High Lord of the Spring Court. This surprises Feyre because she only thought he was High Fae. The serial states each court is ruled by a High Lord, all deadly in their own way. They are, they aren't, um, they don't wield power. They are power. She asks why the serial is not stuck in a mask, and it answers that he's not part of any court and that he's older than all of Prithian. She asks where the blight came from, but it only answers stay with the High Lord human. That's all you can do. You will be safe. Do not interfere. Do not go looking for answers after today, or you will be devoured by the shadow over Prithian. <laughs> well. I like how they all say human, like she's just, like trash or something. <laughs> <laughs> human, you. Um, so this this leads to our second question: Do you think that Feyre is one of those people who do exactly what you tell them to do? What you tell them not to do? Uh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I do. Obviously, she's nineteen. <laughs> they're gonna do everything. You say no tattoos. They're gonna go get a tattoo. Mm-hmm. You tell them you can't have boyfriends. They're gonna have boyfriends. <laughs> Especially if she, like, presents herself as, like, really independent. Yeah. So, and she has that curiosity in her. Yeah. Farron has never done anything she's ever been actually told to do. She seemingly forges her own path, much to her benefit and detriment. She's also 19, so that's basically the aesthetic at that age. So she repeated her question. The serial discovers the High Lord doesn't know she's seeking out this information from him. Um, because he cannot give her the answers. You know, he basically verifies for her that he cannot say anything on the matter. So the serial tells her of the wicked, powerful king of Highburn, another realm, uh, a large island that hadn't given up land to the humans. The king is not happy about the treaty with the humans. He had to let his mortal slaves go in that treaty and stay on his little isle at the edge of the world. Now, this is a uh, hundred years ago. He, the king of Highburn, dispatched his most trusted commanders. They infiltrated the High Fae courts for fifty years. One commander disobeyed, and the serial quiets. Uh, the com- the one commander being called the is it called the what is she called? She is called not the betrayer. She's called something. I can't remember. But I wanted to specify here that the fae that he has go and infiltrate the courts are like lovers, courtiers, and something else. So, Like, like spies? Spies, right. yes. Yeah. Trying to get some good info. Yeah. The juice. Yes. 
So this the leads. Yeah. <laughs> the well, the, sorry. And he wants. Yeah. He obviously he serial obviously being jealous of. Okay. Um, three is uh, so this leads us to number three. Does it drive you crazy at this point that you're given bits and pieces of information regarding the entire history of Prithian? Don't you hate it when someone pauses mid-explanation? Oh my god! It's because her life is in danger. Freaking drives me nuts. It drives me crazy because <laughs> also if you're with somebody who's got ADD and then they stop, they're never going to remember what they were going to say. Oh you're no! Never remember yeah. that. I am <laughs> the worst about that. Yeah. yeah. I have this theory that there are still spies, um, even now, like In after the fifth book. Like even now, after the fifth book, mm. I have this theory that there are still spies. Um, just because, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, you know, and rereading this book kind of like opens your eyes a little bit, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about all the possibilities. And then you like, make an encyclopedia and all right. sorts of good stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so he, <clears throat> he says that he's got spies, courtiers, and lovers infiltrating the courts. So the serial tells Farah to free it because it senses that there's a threat coming their way. And so he is... Sensing a lethal fairy, the Naga. Um, they are made of shadow, hate, and rot. Uh, they would cage the cereal and do much worse to Farah. While trying to free the cereal, Farah sees four shadowy figures coming their way. I have a quick question here. Huh? If they are made of shadow, hate, and rot, how do you think they smell? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I imagine that they smell. Have you ever had a car? Well, I don't know. Not those dumpsters outside of restaurants. Oh, like green. oh yes. yeah. There you go. Oh, have you ever? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Not, not to be gross, but have you ever smelled somebody with a wound? Mm-mm. Oh. It's, it, I, yeah. Joe works in healthcare, so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Chapter 15. The Naga were a combination of humanoid bodies and serpentine feathers with flesh-shredding talons. She aimed her arrow at the center creature, Feyre, and it responded with a smile, saying, stating, the Dark Mother has given them a gift and a meal. Uh, so which one's which? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think meals can, meals can be gifts, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how plump Feyre is at this point, but wasn't she kind of like bony? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. She's very... So she's the gift and the tiny. cereal's the meal. <laughs> I don't know, though, because it... Anyway, yeah, moving on. The gift is probably their enjoyment of Well, the torture. cereal's bones, isn't he? So exactly, <laughs> but so, I don't know. It's like, do you want bones or bones? <laughs> What's on the menu? Bones. I want to know where the chicken is. Oh, right. Yeah. I know somebody we could catch with a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, so she starts backing away while keeping her aim at the Naga and trying to strategize in her mind how she can escape with the ammo she has in her possession currently. Uh, and so, you know, she's pretty good at that kind of stuff because she's been doing that her life, all, well, the majority of her life, I would say. She screams loud and hits the tether holding the cereal in place. And so he's able to leave the cereal. She releases another arrow hitting one of the Naga and then runs toward the stream through a path she had previously studied. Uh, with the Naga close behind. She had to outrun them and find Lucian. She went through a thicket, getting thrashed by thorns and branches. Two flanked her, but she continued to run towards the wood's end. She hit another with her arrow, and it fell. The third stepped in front of her, and two came behind her. So she's kind of completely surrounded. 
One asks her if she know she knows what she's cost them, and Vera replies, "Go to hell." <laughs> she knew she's a teenager. It's fun. It's fun, right? <clears throat> I like how she's, like, not scared. You know, I would be like, hey, we're gone. <laughs> Although, you know what? I was kind of wondering, what did they cause? I mean, I, I, no, their I, lives, maybe? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering that, too. Or, like, maybe mm-hmm. their home. Maybe they, maybe they don't have a home anymore, and that's why they're roaming around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They taunt her, and one grabs her bow and snaps it. Another hurls her to the ground, and she gets a burst of rage and takes the knife in her boot and stabs the speaking Naga in the neck. Can you imagine, like, the blood's, like, falling on you? Oh, Ugh. yes. I think it does say that. So the naga is also, like, a serpent, like, Yes, creature, yes, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it even, so like, falls in her mouth. Oh. Yeah. yeah. What do you think it tastes like? Uh, Chicken? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gross. Uh, <laughs> I imagine it It tasted like whatever ends up on the floor of a, oh, of no, a no, butcher's no. <laughs> workplace. No, it, it probably tastes like chamoy. <laughs> I like no, chamoy. I like chamoy, damn it. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't like chamoy. Um, so she, her fighting style kind of shows that she's pretty scrappy. She can take care of herself. Uh, would you consider yourself a person who excels in high-stress situations, or do you tend to fall and crumble under pressure? I think I'm a little bit of both, honestly. I say that I can excel, but when I'm under a lot of pressure, I can crumble. I don't think I would fare well in a four against one scenario, <laughs> um, especially if it involved, you know, running. I'm mm-hmm. not good at running, <laughs> so um, well, I would consider myself not even remotely as capable as Farah. But I think in high stress situations, everyone's different, yeah. right? I mm-hmm. I think it depends on what that stressful thing is. Mm-hmm. Mine would be like paperwork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm okay. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I think I do really well in high-stress uh, situations because I'm like, don't panic, don't do anything. And I do it, right? I do have all my determination. I'm going to get it done. I get it done. I figure out how to do it, and I wait to crumble afterwards. Yeah. And I'm probably um, a wreck afterwards, but I get it done first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not, like, in a wreck like mine, like me during, <laughs> during it? I was like, no, yeah. No, I think in a physical altercation, I don't think I am. I am worthless. I think. I think I could be all his bodyguard. I think Joe could take everybody on. <laughs> With my attitude. Oh no, no With one. My could, no, no one could stand up to Joe's attitude. <laughs> no. Okay, so she scrambles up and and she gets hit in the face with something. Uh, she grabs for Lucian's hiding, uh, hunting knife and gets thrown to the ground once again. Before the Naga can make their next strike uh, against Vera, a roar is heard through the air, and they start to scramble as Tamlin comes in, saves the day, and attacks. He rips the Naga to shreds savagely, uh, and Vera's shaking with her knife still in the hand. He kneels beside her, tries to reach for her, but she's so frightened, so she, dr- she jerks back. She loses her words in a cloud of fear and manages to get only one word out. How? So Tamlin had been tracking a pack of the Naga. I guess that's what he was out, you know, chasing when Lucian told him. Uh, Lucian told, told, Vera. Lucian. You said Lucian. <laughs> okay. How many glasses I'm sorry. have you had? This is only my second one. I know. I am just a you know lightweight mumbler. Yeah, <clears throat> lightweight. Okay. So she loses her words and cloud her fear and manages to get out the how. And he had been tracking a pack of Naga. Uh, but the four who attacked her must have smelled her human scent. Uh, he heard her scream and came to help. And he caresses her face and seems to magically soothe her pain. Uh, he tells him, or Vera, that he found one Naga dead with an arrow and followed the trail to where he found her. 
He gives her his tunic, and she gets some comfort from the warmth. Uh, he helps her to her feet, and uh, upon seeing the blood on both her hands, she realizes that they both could be savages and killing when it was needed. He asks Farah what she had been doing out in the forest, and she lies and tells him she had wandered around the manor and didn't realize how far she was out. He advises her to stay close to the house when he's out chasing trouble from the court. And she thanks him for saving his life, her life, and surprised by the high lord that he found her uh, worth saving. So through all of this, she keeps on thinking, you know, how she's learned that he's a high lord now. Do you think that this has now affected her opinion? Like, oh, he's in high places. I like him a little bit better. Or what do you think? Absolutely. Um, I think that it strengthens whether she would admit it, whether she would admit this or not, um, her, her opinion of him. Um, despite himself, though, like, he has not shared any kind of intimacy about himself, no information about himself. In addition to already feeling that Tamlin has to provide and take care of his people and lands, now, like, on top of that, he's in charge. He's the leader of the entire freaking court. He's the leader of the pack. (laughs) Yeah, he's the leader of his weird cat antlered bodied people. (laughs) That was my, one of my favorite songs as a kid. Leader. The leader of the pack. Yeah, it was. It was boring. Whatever. <laughs> Weird. Um, later, her thoughts are really obsessive, too. So she proves that it does have an impact because she is obsessively reminding herself, Hi, Lord. Hi, Lord. Hi, Lord. Like, she says it a lot. Like, if you listen to the, or if you are, because I've already, I've read and listened like it multiple times. times. Well, the audiobook and the dramatized. the dramatized one, but she's like, during the dramatized one, she's like literally saying, hi, Lord, hi, Lord, hi, Lord, hi, Lord, hi, Lord, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, he's the high Lord. Like, okay. But uh, she did have at least a shred of dignity or self-respect where she was just like, well, this is what they think of me. Like, this, this I'm just, I'm nothing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, it's like a one, not a 180, but it was like, she was already at like, 80 degrees, and then now it's like 180, 90 degrees would be the, sorry, math me no so good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But like, but now she's just like all the way in, like impressed with him because he's, and she's a peasant. And she's just, oh, and how, and how, you know, he's saving me. Like she's already immediately impressed. Like Mm -hmm. I'm so shocked that she did that. Yeah. No, I'm not shocked. Gross. But I am like a little bit like, like girl. Get over but she's it. nineteen, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was impressed when Easily somebody impressed. had a job. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> or 19. all their teeth. <laughs> or all their teeth. No. Oh my god. Just kidding. <clears throat> go ahead. Okay, so uh, he tells her, "Let's go home," and then she's thinking to herself that the manor is not her home, and she may not have a home anymore. Uh, silently, Pharaoh reviews what the serial told her. Wicked kings, commanders, and the blight. And advice to avoid looking for more answers. She detects a sense of shame and defeat from Tamlin as they walk on. So what do you think, or why do you think, I'm sorry, uh, she detected this shame and defeat from Tamlin? What's, what's making him feel this way? I think maybe like, he's... I am, And I could be <clears throat> wrong, because they don't really explain it. But I'm thinking... He feels it because he's realizing, you know, he's already fought two different fairies. He's realizing that his borders are not as secure as he as he thought they were, you know. Right. And now it's harmed his little Feyre. I, uh, yeah. 
his pet. Yeah. Well, no. I I think she senses this because Tamlin, instead of fighting against the blight, he's trying to meet that the qualifications of Amaranthus Amaranthus bargain. So instead of fighting, he's trying to actually like follow the little brick road. (laughs) (laughs) The her little her her little bargain, right? Um, he's having to sacrifice his sentinels as well as fight off Fae. So he's killing every day, right, at his borders, all the Fae that come in from other courts. It's mentioned in Chapter 12, in fact, um, and Lucian is telling her, like, every time he has to go out and kill, that makes him a little bit less than himself when he comes back. So that's part of it, I think. And I think he feels guilty because he remembers what his father did to her kind, and it's an indication that his father probably had human slaves mm-hmm. and or worse. And God, like God knows what they did to them for entertainment or whatever. So, so to seek out a female human and in, ensnare her into like loving him uh, is something that he detests, which is the tiniest snippet of information about Tamlin that he reveals about himself. And not even to her face. He, she has to like overhear it, so... At least there's that. You know, that's one mm-hmm. good thing that we hear about Tamlin, like, that he reveals about himself. Right. Just so y'all know, did y'all ever think, whenever you saw the Naga, did you ever think of Nalga? <laughs> Nalgas. Wow. I'm sorry, but I, I totally did. Chapter 16. After coming in, Vera takes a long bath, then sits before the fireplace while Alice works on her hair. Feyre asks Alice if there is a potential war that's going to start because of the invasion of the court by troublesome fairies from other, you know, other courts. Alice doesn't answer and suggests that she stop with the questions and to keep bad juju from entering the court. Feyre asks why these creatures aren't allowed, um, why they are allowed to roam without their high lords keeping them in check. Alice scolds her and tells her it is... None of her concern. Feyre explains that um, if the blight rolls into the human lands, it would be her concern. Alice tells her to just let Tamlin take care of it. That brings us to our first question, which is, does it bother you that Alice says to just let Tamlin handle it? It's been 50 years and he hasn't handled anything. As Feyre, would this bother you to leave your fate in the hands of this grumpy man? I I would because... I mean, she hardly knows him. How long has she been there? Like two weeks or less. And she's supposed to, you know, rely on this man who doesn't really, she feels, probably doesn't really think highly of her. So what's he going to do? How is he going to fight for her um, if he doesn't really care for her? As far, uh, as, as far as she knows. Yeah, she has no reason to trust him. And yeah. come on, girl power. Okay, yeah. Do something for yourself. If I were her, I'd probably would be bothered by it because I'm so used to being independent and resolving things on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do, I mean, I don't like people doing shit for me, stuff yeah. for me. Yeah. Don't act like you would even say stuff. <laughs> I'm an angel. You would say that, uh, shit. Anyway. Um, I'm the nicest one here. No. I'm the angel None of, of the group. Which, oh. which is which. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. No, not true not at all. Yeah. No. <clears throat> anyway, um, 
So in my opinion, for Farah, it's difficult to me. I think it would be difficult for Farah because she is typically always seeking to control her environment. Mm -hmm. That's obvious by her initiative in providing for her family. Personally, for me, I would have been happy (laughs) to allow Tamlin to do whatever. I'm not about to slay whatever beast that's, you know, causing the blight or whatever. Also, but in in addition to that, Tamlin is also under the constraints that, you know, that he cannot be helped. And one could say that even Lucian wants to fight the Blight, but at the end of the novel, it's the way... Like, I know a lot of people give Tamlin grief for not fighting, and Lucian's wanting to fight, and even now, Feyre doesn't even know much about it, but she wants to even fight against it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day... Because Tamlin chose to follow this whole, the whole thing, um, it that is actually the answer to the whole issue. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so Alice reveals she knows that Pharaoh went to went to visit the cereal. Uh, cereal. Alice calls her a fool for messing with the puka, and now the cereal. Pharaoh tries to defend herself by saying that she was doing this for her family, and Alice tells Pharaoh she also has family, which surprises her. Uh, surprises Feyre. She informs her of her sister's younglings she gained following her sister's murder. Everything Alice does and works for is for them. They live somewhere else, far away. Nuh-uh. <laughs> um, after being questioned, Alice tells Feyre of the different fairies and their ability to have offspring offspring, and, and, and how they age. High Fae rarely procreate and they age they age quite slowly and when they do have offspring the younglings are more precious than jewels and gold because i guess it's uh, pretty rare alice tells pharaoh the next time lucian attempts to tell her that a dead chicken is needed to catch a cereal <laughs> to let her know because all she would have needed was a new robe to offer you know because that cereal's a, a diva that evening, Farah meets Lucian and Tamlin in the dining room. Farah keeps Lucian's secret um, about helping her find the cereal and so on, of how he told her how to catch the cereal. Lucian gives a hidden apology when commenting on the bit of action they encountered. So that brings us to our second question for this chapter, and that is, why do you think Farah kept Lucian's secret? She doesn't owe him anything. She doesn't even know if it was the intention for her to get harmed, you know. So would you give up his secret? I wouldn't. I think that um, she wanted to maintain some level of trust with Lucian. Mm -hmm. Um, And by keeping the secret, she can form like a stronger bond with him. Yeah, that's what I had too. I think it was totally to to gain his trust. Um, He gave her the information with the understanding that she would reveal nothing about this involvement. And my foxy man is smart. Wicked smart. And she could hold it. (laughs) (laughs) He's smart. He's a fox. He's also an ass uh, because he wasn't around to rescue her, which that also influences her heavily later on in the book. But I'm just saying he is very smart. When Lucian tells Feyre that she looks lovely, she scoffs and says she thought fairies couldn't lie. They ask who told her that. Thank God that they finally cleared this up because that was annoying the hell out of me. Um, Lucian tells her that they indeed lie, which really upsets her. 
She also finds out that Iron doesn't deter fairies. <laughs> Tamlin tells Feyre they never willingly lied to her. That brings us to our third question. Is there anything that you were told as a child that you found out was either a lie or misinformed your beliefs? The white van. <gasps> Do you remember the white van? The, the child predator? Yeah, yeah. If you stray away from the Strange. house, mm-hmm. the white van's going to get you. Oh, my God. Oh. I would have heard that. Who told you that? Oh, that's my awesome. mom. <laughs> oddly specific. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I lived in the body <laughs> She probably knew of somebody in the <laughs> She was legit telling you that white van over there. <laughs> right? The Tooth Fairy? Santa Claus? The mm. Easter Bunny? Aww. <laughs> okay, those are all true. Yeah. I still believe in them, guys. Mm, obviously. I remember being told by our mom <laughs> that she prayed and prayed for children, and they one day blessed her with us. You know, Aww. vom. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Not understanding how that typically comes about i i came up with a few things that our parents taught us um that are definitely false like my mom telling or our mom telling us that tampons were only for married women yes (laughs) oh my god i completely forgot about that oh because it goes inside yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then how about how about this and i know a lot of people say this that shaving makes your hair grow back thicker. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's scientifically impossible. I remember when I was trying to, like, shave my face or something, everybody's like, oh, no, don't do it. And now everybody's shaving their freaking face. Um, (laughs) They're all poodles (laughs) now. Right? (laughs) No, that's, it's, it's, like, scientifically impossible. Also, how about if you go outside and get cold that you actually might get sick? Oh, yeah. Like, hello. Oh, walk around barefoot. All those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, Grey's Anatomy taught me that that's not the case about the temperature did you ever did you i mean i already know because there's no bacteria or, well yeah I mean, like but on, no. somebody knows about that <laughs> uh, how about okay one of them i thought was when our parents told us not to drive with our windows down what you don't remember that like no. they should tell us not to drive our win- with our windows down because the headliner would stop start like sagging on the top oh and they were always they always said it was because uh, we drove with our windows down. And I think it was just like us kids like yanking at it and pulling on it. Yeah, like, we were oh. touching yeah. it all the time. Okay, so Feyre absentmindedly goes through all the conversations that they have had since her arrival at the Spring Court. She doesn't notice Lucian leave, and it's just her and Tamlin there in the table. He asks her if she's feeling better and then asks what she was doing in the woods. She tells him that she was looking for the creature that would be able to answer her questions if you catch it. She tells him that she did indeed catch the cereal, but that the Naga had interrupted her questioning. Talon seems impressed to learn that a human girl caught the cereal. Talon reveals he has her list of words that she had thrown out in the study. While reading the list, Farah feels humiliated. Um, she attempts to leave the dining hall in embarrassment, and he wonders out loud if her family realized all that she did to keep them safe and alive. He offers once again to help her write to her family, but she refuses and tries to leave. He rapidly gets in her way, preventing her from leaving, and assures her that he is not trying to insult her. She insists she doesn't need the help. When she tries once more to leave, Talon says, you gave up so much for them, and moves like he is going to touch her, but stops himself before actually doing it. He asks if he if she even knows how to laugh. 
She gets upset and says that she doesn't want his pity. He offers his friendship. And she retorts with the question if fairies can be friends with humans. Tamlin replies that 500 years ago, fairies went to war on behalf of mortals. Fairies, along with the mortals, did so much damage that they came up with the treaty. Some fairies mourned the separation that the treaty required, and he was only a child at the time of that war. She calculates he's over 500 years old in this you know, conversation. He does state he is against any type of slavery or tyranny and would go to his death defending anyone's freedom. Such a good guy. Yeah. Such a good guy. Let's keep in mind... 500-year-old man. Yeah. Let's keep in mind that Tamlin comes from a family of, <laughs> you know, probably former human slave owners. owners. Anyway. He so then tell. Sorry. Yeah. So do you think he's, like, big and buff, this Tamlin fellow? Oh, yeah. And then he's 500 years, right? I mean, I guess they don't really age, but... <laughs> I don't Don't you know. think of maybe, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like, oh, my God. Currently, no. all wrinkly. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm sure they don't, don't age, know. but like, what if they did age? He would totally look like that, right? No. Yes. No. Yes. And no. He, now you're going to picture him with that accent every single time you talk. No. <laughs> Who would it be? It would be somebody. Feyrot. Feyrot. I, that, the, okay, but the voice and the dramatization it sounds so, like, commanding, right? So who would you pick if you had to pick an actor to, to play Tamlin? Hmm. And who for Lucian? For Lucian? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I know you like you some redheads, too. I do so. love me a redhead. How about but him? he wouldn't be able... To, I don't think he would be able to play Lucian. Obviously not the one you're thinking about because he's so skinny. Aww. <laughs> I love Tamlin. I don't know any I good gingers. Him. It would have to be, like, a guy who's buff and they just dyed his hair... Ginger. Well, so his lineage would be also a determining factor. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True that. Oh. Yeah. It'd be mixed. So it definitely couldn't be Donald Gleason. So I love Donald Gleason. What about Tamlin? Tamlin, I don't know. Harrison Ford. No! <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying because he's 500. Oh, oh, my God. Harrison Ford is not 500. No. And he's. Awesome. <laughs> I love Tyrese Ford. His crabby. I mean, I don't think he's ass. like hot, but he's awesome. <laughs> he's so angry all the time, though. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have a fan cast for him, but I don't think he would be like huge. Like, because they're all kind of described like that. All the fae. That they're what? Like, they're, like they're all very like, handsome and they all have like muscles. Corded muscle. Uh, I can't think of anybody, honestly. No, me neither. Off the top of my head. Well, I guess we won't have a movie then, Damn. will we? <gasps> Who's the guy that plays they... Captain America? Uh, Chris something. They, they wouldn't be able to afford him, but... Oh, Chris, shoot. um... Holy cow. Oh, yeah. I can't believe it. I lost it. I'm totally blank. That's because we've had too much wine. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. Chris Evans. Yes. Yes. There you go. Channing Tatum. No. I, for Tamlin. I have, you know, I am sorry, but I am. I would take a, ha- a Channing, ta- Channing Tatum because, because we, you know, we come to find further along that we do not like him. And that has been my case with Channing Tatum. I did oh. love him, and I no longer love him. This is so, true. So that would work out. Oh, yeah. This is true. Okay, so, like, doesn't he play, like, a, um, in that movie? I'm, like, di- like 
off whatever what's that movie he's in with sandra bullock and he's actually like the picture oh. of the of the um i haven't seen that you haven't seen it it's I so good that. i forgot what it's called the actor or the whatever the book right of her book yes oh, what's her name it's sandra bullock yeah yeah, yeah. what's the movie's name i, I can't remember the name but yeah no he plays like the actual dude i guess i don't know but it's yeah i don't like channing tatum i don't i've never actually thought he was handsome yeah. It's his eyebrows. <laughs> I told you I was an eyebrow gal. Like I don't like. I mean, what's wrong weird with eyebrows? eyebrows? Are they? I mean, they, are they like sparse? Or They're short. Oh, like they don't even cover his whole eye. <laughs> Maybe he trims them. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Anyway. Well, but you don't have to like him for very long. Just like him That's... for a little bit because, you know, you're not going to like him later on anyway. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Because <laughs> so you put something too good looking, you want to like him, and even though he's a turd, you, I mean, at least this way you can just be okay with this. Oh, like okay. Moving on. Moving on. So Tamlin then tells Feyre that her family knows she's safe, but does not know that she is at Prithian, which where else would she be? Anyway. Um, instead, they believe she is visiting a long-lost aunt on her deathbed. They do know that there's a chance that the wall may falter and are prepared to run. Okay, so we do get that information. Feyre is surprised that he altered their memories. He corrects her and says he glamoured their memories. Whatever. You know, tomatoes, tomatoes. He didn't want Feyre's father to go looking for her and possibly violate the treaty. She sadly tells Tamlin that her father wouldn't bother to go look after her and cross the wall into Prithian. Tamlin tries to tell her that he would, and in her mind, she appreciates that um, and all that he had done um, you know, and you know, basically what she couldn't do, which is provide for her family. Pharaoh stares into Tamlin's eyes. Those dreamy eyes. Cataloging all the different colors she sees. She then asks for painting supplies, which surprises and excites Tamlin. God. Because <laughs> <laughs> she wants to stay there now. If she I... wants to have a hobby, that means she sort of intends to stick around. I get it, yeah. This is probably a point in the novel when you read it the first time where you're like, oh my gosh, you're getting along. Um, and she has finally started to open up. She He offers her the opportunity to paint whatever she wants. Farah expresses her appreciation for his generosity and Talon tells her about the gallery in the manor. Oops, my paper. <laughs> Oops, my lamp. <laughs> Sorry. Tells her about the gallery in the manor and offers to take her to see it when he is not busy. When he's not busy killing other pain. Anyway, uh, she accepts the invitation and this makes Tamlin smile. Farah thinks in her mind that Isaac never smiled at her like that. Or made her breath catch like Tamlin just did. Adequate Isaac. <laughs> adequate Isaac. I think we've all had adequate Isaacs. Oh, yeah. Not me. <laughs> oh no, they're just just my husband. I can't remember anybody else. Okay, that leads us to question number four. Have you ever had someone catch your breath with with a look? Um, aside from celebrities, <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> I believe this is what the youngins call Riz. Have you ever that? <laughs> yes. I have not. On Lay McNasty's TikTok. What? On um, that lame McNasty's TikTok, he's always talking about the Riz. The Riz, yeah. Zan, have you? Yes. 
Whether they stuck around or not, that's a different story, though. Mm-hmm. I will say, my husband, I knew him in high school, and when I walked into that classroom, which is driver's ed, by the way, he was the first thing I noticed, because he was new to the school, and I was like, rare, and he was weirdly really weird, weird, and I hate it now, Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> oh, oh. Don't tell him about it. Uh, and I, I couldn't believe such a good-looking man could wear such a hideous shirt. Um... But, you know, we didn't start dating until, like, in our 30s or close to the 30s. But uh, I remember. Maybe he didn't catch my breath, but I did notice him right away. Um, Yeah. And now we're married. All because of that Hawaiian shirt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think that's happened to me several times in in one night. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Hey, question. Question. Were you at Hard Bodies? (laughs) I wasn't looking at anybody's eyes there. <laughs> ew. Ew, ew, ew. Okay. Okay. Banana. Okay. Banana, nana, banana, nana. No. <laughs> it bicycle. It's hard not to look anywhere else. Okay, but yeah. yeah. Banana, nana. Oh my god. Okay. Moving on? Yes. I'd like to interrupt this podcast to introduce our third wine bottle. Farm Fresh Wine Company, flavored cranberry. Cheers. It's so good. You haven't even had it. It's so chunky. It's so chunky. No, we've had it before. It was so we've fun. had it before. We had it in the first one, I think, right? Mm-mm. The first one? It was in our planning. Oh, it was. It's what started all of this. Am I right? <laughs> it's what made this One of the original, original wine, uh, wine nights. 12% is it? Oh, it's so good. Okay. No UTIs. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, look. Mm. So anyway, anybody, if you have any questions or comments, we can be reached at threewinywitches at gmail.com. We'd also love your wine suggestions. We can be followed on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at threewinywitches, and that's with the number three. Next week, we will be discussing chapters 19 through 24. If you have any questions, you can always email us and let us know something that we can bring up during the podcast. And if you have anything different to say on the questions that were asked today in our podcast, go ahead and shoot those answers to us as well. Yes, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next time, see you later, witches. Banana, nana, banana, nana.